Hey guys, these are on sale now. This is the FlexFit Limited Black Friday Special, blacked out here and blacked out logo here. As you can see, these are all embroidered. All proceeds go towards Vader Episode 2. You can grab yours now in the link below. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another breakdown. Today we're going to be covering the season finale for the Andor show. Now, of course, as always, big shout out to all of you that came to the watch party over the last almost 12 weeks. As always, regardless of my thoughts on any Star Wars show, I love doing the watch parties and I love interacting with all of you guys during those. So the next one will be The Bad Batch January 4th for a 16 episode run. Okay, so let's begin with the Andor episode 12 finale. And then of course we can talk about it at the end of the video too. I'll also be releasing a review of this episode and what I thought of Andor in its entirety for the season. So without further ado, we start the final episode off at the Repack Salyard on Ferrix, where Wilman Pack builds a pipe bomb or some type of bomb with the hologram of his late father next to him to inspire his fight against the Empire. As we change the scene over to Daedra landing in a T4A Lambda class shuttle, I have to point out that whenever you see one of these shuttles, there's usually a high ranking Imperial in there, either an officer or it could even be Palpatine or Vader himself and most often with troopers with backup. Bix is recovering from the torture sessions the ISP put her through, and she's pretty much lost her mind. Hopefully, she can recover. Cassian's buddy Brasso meets with the guy who told Cassian about his mother's death over the phone, and his name is Zan, and reveals to him that Cassian called. They both keep walking to avoid any lurking eyes and ears of the Empire, as they know spies are everywhere waiting for Cassian to arrive for Marva's funeral. We see Sinta walking the streets of Ferrix while Korv is oblivious for the time being, and we know eventually he gets stabbed. Mon Mothma waits for her husband, Perrin, to get into the speeder, and this is kind of an interesting scene that I really enjoyed. She asks the driver for privacy. Now, if you remember previous episodes where she goes into Luthen's shop, she says that there's a new driver and she doesn't trust him. For all she knows, he could be working for the Empire. So she asks him for privacy and starts grilling her husband on his reawakened gambling problem, wondering where he's getting all of the money from to do this, and to not do this ever here on Coruscant. She mentions Canto Bight, and of course that's the casino planet from The Last Jedi where Finn and Rose led the mission to free the space horses, but of course not the slave children. Mon doesn't actually think Perrin is gambling. She's just setting all of this up to throw the driver off because she knows that he works for the Empire and she knows whatever he hears is going to go back to them. So whatever he tells them about this conversation and when they learn of it, they won't be so surprised why so much money is leaving Mon Mothma's bank account when they look into her. They won't suspect it's for the rebellion that she's funding. They'll think it's because of the husband, Perrin's gambling addiction and him just stealing money. Cinta and Vel meet up on Ferrix and Cinta tells her of this Imperial spy that she's been tracking. Korv, of course. Vel is salty because she was hoping to be picked up by Cinta, but of course she was busy tracking this guy. Cassian surveys the quiet town on Ferrix, and he starts to remember Clem, his dad, talking about how a man who sees all is more gifted than cursed. He talks about fixing things with rust rather than constantly buying something new, basically implying that you can fix what's old and you don't always have to replace it. Cassian randomly sees Pelga at his mother's home, who tells him about Bix, and he's very upset to hear this. So Cassian changes course a bit and decides to devise a plan to free her. 
Nemec's words are replaying in Cassian's mind regarding perseverance and how eventually there will be one final thing that will be too much for the Empire to take and finally break through. Cassian is relentless and knows what he needs to do. It's all about constant relentless attack. Daedra goes over the ISB plan to capture Cassian as she learns there are snipers at all corners. She says no to the snipers, that she wants him alive. Why would she want him alive? Possibly for information, while some fans in the watch party were saying possibly because she is his actual sister that he was looking for. So what do you guys think? Personally, I don't think that she is his sister or anything like that. I think it's because she wants to question him. She's quite mad that the ISB got rid of Krieger rather than bringing him in for questioning and for answers. So I think it's the same for Cassian. She wants answers, not bodies, at least not yet. Daedra speaks with the ISB and Partagaz tells her that they killed Krieger because they wanted the Emperor to be sort of happy that those who they thought responsible for Aldani are dead. Cassian is hidden by Pelga and he meets with his buddy Brasso who talk about Marva and her last words for Cassian. Beautiful moment between two friends and for Cassian it was quite a revelation. Gives him the motivation that he needs as he's blaming himself for her death. She says he knows everything he needs to know and feels everything he needs to feel and once both of those things come together he will be an unstoppable force for good. I love him more than anything he could ever do wrong, she says. Cyril and Sergeant Linus Mosk head to Ferrix as they sit in the ship next to one another, swapping hats. Luthen and Vel plan their attack on Cassian as the Empire gets their troops in order and in position. And I gotta say, Cassian is pretty screwed here. He's got the ISB on his tail, Luthen and Vel, as well as Cyril and his buddy. It's a tough time for him, but as we see, he makes it out. Cassian spots Luthen as the town begins their ceremony, music starts to play. We learn more about Marva that she was more like royalty there. She was a leader. Bix is enjoying the sounds of the instruments playing as the droid B2 EMO projects Marva's hologram as she gives a very moving speech talking about how she was asleep and that the Empire came in and did what they wanted to Ferrix until she was now woken up and realized the Empire is a disease that thrives in the darkness and grows when they sleep and encouraged the village to fight against the Empire with all they've got. Now this is interesting because really the first person to kind of start this whole rebellion, I would imagine, was Cassian himself. And it wasn't until Aldani that she started to really wake up, as she says. So you can see the domino effect that one person's actions has on another person and the rest of the galaxy, where they're inspired, where they have hope. So a massive riot breaks out and eventually Pack throws his homemade explosive out towards the Empire and a chain reaction goes off where tons of things explode. Brasso does a Spartan 300 kick to the chest against the Imperial, and Marva's ashes cemented into that block are used to knock out another Imperial, which I thought was funny. It's kind of like she's there and responsible for the KO. Cassian saves Bix and gets her out of there. The Empire opens fire. The Stormtroopers are actually hitting all of their targets, and I think this was nicely put in there to see quite a contrast between Cyril's Primo group, which really sucked, and the Stormtroopers. Now, of course, if we bring in your know, death troopers or we bring in clone troopers, we'll see an even bigger contrast between everyone else. We see everyone run through the town in chaos as Korv finds Sinta and gets stabbed. Cyril saves Dedra from the town's mob and they end up in a storage unit face to face and there's a ton of tension. We never see them again, so they're probably getting busy. Maybe in season two, they'll have some sort of a love interest. Who knows? 
Cassian gets Bix to his ship as Jezzy, Brasso, and B2 are all aboard. He tells them he will find them as he runs off to break into Luthen's ship. Mon Mothma and Perrin clearly agree to Skulden's offer to introduce their children to one another in the hopes that they like each other for an eventual arranged marriage one day when they are of age. This was what Davos wanted in return for his funding of her charity, which is the Rebellion. This scene really shows that the Rebellion cost more than just money, but integrity and sacrifice all across the board. In this case, Mon Mothma's morals and her own daughter. Now, in the last episode, we saw Mon Mothma's daughter was all about that type of arranged marriage life, so she figured this is what will be good for the greater good, I suppose. Even against her own wishes. Andor goes to Luthen's Hullcraft and tells him to kill him or take him in. The episode ends with Luthen observing his blaster in his hand as he looks up to smile at Cassian as we push in on Cassian's face. End of episode, end of season. Okay, so obviously season two is coming, which means Luthen takes Cassian in and they start to really set fire to the galaxy, so to speak, set fire to the Empire and really cause some drama and cause some havoc. I personally think season two is going to be a lot more interesting than season one. I enjoyed season one. I thought the acting was superb. I thought the set design was great. I thought it was a very expensive looking show. It was large in size. It didn't feel as claustrophobic as Kenobi did. And the music was great. The pacing I felt was off at times. I think there were some episodes that were far too long and didn't need to drag on as much as they did. But I will go more to detail on everything in my Andor full review. However, for this breakdown, I know a lot of you are excited for a season two. I personally think season two will be much more interesting now that things are kind of running and off the ground. I could see things moving into a phase two sort of thing where Cassian is being hunted by the Empire, perhaps by bounty hunters, perhaps maybe even by Vader, but I highly doubt that. The nice thing about a Cassian Andor show is that we don't really need these big characters because it would almost undermine them and their involvement in every little thing. So I like the fact that we didn't see any of the legendary characters. However, at the end, we did see the Death Star being constructed in a deleted scene, and I thought that was pretty cool. That was pretty interesting. However, of course, the Death Star is supposed to be constructed over Genosis, but we do know that the Death Star can move around at will. It is a ship at the end of the day. It can move. But this does go against some information regarding the construction of the Death Star. And at this point, the Death Star shouldn't be almost as ready as it is. I think there should still be a little more construction going underway, as the first time we saw the Death Star fully operational was during Rogue One, which is still a little bit of time away from here, approximately five years away from here. I hope you enjoyed this season, I hope you enjoyed this show, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I also hope you enjoyed my breakdowns, and I appreciate all of you coming during the watch parties. I hope I'll see you again for the Bad Batch Season 2, and of course the Mandalorian Season 3. I love you all, hope you have a great day, and thanks for watching my breakdown. Check me out on Spotify with new episodes every single day, and I will see you all in the next episode on Star Wars Theory. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you, always.